So welcome to this week's episode of Value Nigeria podcast. Um, it's a podcast where we try to discuss the various um, value investing principles and see how it relates um, with retail investors, even in the Nigerian space. Um, thank you very much for tuning in week in and week out. This week on the podcast, we are privileged to have a guest, a wonderful guest on the on the show today. Is someone who I have quite a lot of respect for. Um, the first time I came into contact with him was on um, Naira Metrics on the morning show, which is a, a show in, for one of the platforms I follow. And he's very, very insightful. Um, he's a writer. He's a celebrated commentator on various economic policies, even on channels, TV, amongst others, um, international platforms that he, he shares his thoughts on. It's a privilege for us to have Mr. Olumide Adishino on the show today. Um, yeah, thank you, Jibola. It's a pleasure. All right, perfect, perfect, sir. We would like to meet you, probably just to get to know you a little bit better. Um, is there any chance you can just share your some background about yourself, your personal background, professional, and possibly academic background, sir? Okay, so um, I was born um, many years ago in Paris, France. Um, my parents are Nigerian, and um, I've been living in Nigeria ever since, most of the time. And um, I think um, my my basic education, like I said, uh, because I was staying in Nigeria most of the time, I had them in Nigeria. So I studied sciences at university, uh, particularly life sciences. but. Um, uh, ever since I went to um, the secondary school, I discovered that I had so much love for social sciences that um, I would just stay at CNN looking at the market, you know. And there was this, um, we had this psychologist um, in school then that used to evaluate students when we were crossing to either science or commercial arts. So she advised me then. My results was so good, but she said that my results doesn't matter that uh, based on my passion, I should go to the commercial classes. But I had so much interest for accounting, you know. And uh, well, I think because my dad is a surgeon, I followed the lead of staying in sciences. And like I said, I studied sciences. But after school, you know, it was a different ballgame mentality. It was a different ballgame promises and um, a lot of challenges. So um, I think um, I just had to start finance-related uh, courses myself, um, put Oman abroad. I studied a lot. Um, I have more than uh, 12 certifications on that line. Uh, so um, I think the most interesting part of my career was that um, I learned that um, things don't come easy. Uh, it takes a lot of um, sacrifice. It takes a lot of uh, patience. It takes a lot of um, um, due diligence and also uh, perseverance in getting what you want. And that's what finance really taught me about because uh, I, the aspect of finance I got involved with was investment trading. And this was something that was also developed in um, Africa, especially understanding the kind of um, um, environment we come from. So uh, it was pretty very difficult for me. I had to learn the art way, lose all my funds like for the first five years, uh, 
again, trying to understand how the market works, you know. And because I came from a science background, I thought it was more of a mathematical approach. But I got into trouble and, you know, like I said, I lost quite a sizable amount of funds. But you see, the exposure and the experience of those losses built me. And I was opportunate to work for some of the world's leading um, edge funds and proprietary trading firms. So, but you, um, my heart got broken when um, Barry brought in his, this um, devaluation. Um, they're trying to control the Naira. So, the foreign firm I was working for in Nigeria had to relocate back to Canada. Well, the interesting part of it was that um, the exposure I gained, you know, I felt that I would get it in easily in other places I could go into other jobs. But the kind of job I was doing was something that was just Western. It was hardly hard to see an edge fund kind of business in Nigeria. So, so traveling around even after then, because I got some money around, but I couldn't still get because the mistake I did also was that um, the world of edge fund in a match market was evolving. So you had to you had to have quantitative, strong quantitative or I mean um computing backgrounds, like you must understand algorithms and stuff like that. So that kept me at a disadvantage. So I came back home and I looked at it like what would I do that could sustain the momentum while I was reading and understanding quantitative um, finance. So I joined the metrics. I wasn't really a writer then, but um, because of my knowledge in the market it really helped. And I saw the opportunity there, and that's how it started. So from analogies, Yahoo Finance, Coindex, Second Alpha, I worked in major platforms around the world, and I was able to get that exposure and experience. And one of the advantages I had was because I understood the market. So the only thing I had challenging was interpreting, inter- making it so simple for people that have no non-market exposure. So that was basically what I did. And I think that took a lot of time because um, in the past uh, three, four years, right? Yeah, I've written more than 5,000 uh, reports, analysis uh, across different platforms, like I said. So I'm basically like, some of my friends tag me as a journalist because I report, like you say, I analyze on TV and I write news. But I still see myself as an investment trader because I trade a lot uh, on the side of so I trade. I, it's something I'm passionate about. It wasn't just because I was making money, but because uh, it was something I really loved. You know, I can spend six, eight hours on Bloomberg just looking at the market. That was how passionate I am. In fact, in the last time, uh, in the last time, uh, three, uh, no, in the last two and a half decades, yes, two, um, two and a half years, I've spent six hours a day on markets, you know, average six hours a day on markets because I'm either writing about markets, reading about markets, or watching markets. So, you know, and takes a lot out of me. So I really understand so, um, the market very well. So basically, that's how uh, my journey began. So thanks for having me once again. Thank you very, very much for sharing that very, very, very personal story. Um, the, the, the story of following your passion, of you know, being determined in the face of um, challenges, and particularly your dad being a surgeon. Um, I'm a doctor, so I can relate with that. Um, thanks, thanks for that information. Um, now, for someone who has seen finance from as many angles as possible, from quite a lot of angles. Uh, what do you? What's your approach like? Um, is it a top to bottom approach where we look at you know um, the macroeconomics, the 
um, interest rates and things like that and then filter it down to equities or do you prefer a bottom to the top approach where you start from individual companies and you know forgetting the macros and all that uh, I, I think it's, it's where you're coming from for for example um one of the things i've learned about finance is that um, as much as mathematics is very important as much as processes is very important it's not really a science subject so psychology plays a major role so for example if you're an investment trader for example you start from the company you start from the asset you start to understand before you go to the macro and things like but if you're a macro analyst for example if you're somebody that um, study policies then the macro becomes more important so i think it's where you come from that really matters but this is what i'll tell people that uh, one of the things you need to understand about finance is that uh, there is no uh, one door solution and uh, just like Messi, like you know that we cannot talk about your body. There's always one heart in the body. There's always one brain in the body. You know, there are always ten fingers. But for that, that approach doesn't seem to work because humans are not predictable. They they don't move in um, straight or linear direction. There's always random movement. If you try take a path, for example, it doesn't mean that you Jupiter will take the same path. So that's why the fact that we we'll get to the same destination. It means that um, there are different approaches. So what I tell people is that you, the, the, the core, the core of where you go, it depends on where, where your journey is and what you started. So, if, for example, like I said, if you're an investment trader, it's very important. So you want market, very understand, very important to understand macro and the macros. You know, the macros will make you understand how this asset more, what makes this asset valuable. And the macro will give you a condition on why these things are striving in this condition. So understanding of finance involves you to have a social um, social science um, analogy of how markets evolve. Also, you need to have good mathematical faculties. If you're studying finance, you need to have some quantitative uh, resonance on how markets move. Then the most important thing, which a lot why we have that problem in Africa, is that people forget that psychology plays a big role in finance. So you see that the Americans, when it comes to finance, are always on top because they don't just treat finance as a science subject. They have the psychology advantage of interpreting markets. They understand that markets are not just um, uh, A plus B is equal to A B. You know, markets have um, random but historical play movement so they have understand that they treat markets the way they are so that's one of the advantages um, the western world have. But i think nigerians are approved because if you look at the statistics one of the highest number of financial professionals are in nigeria and that's why our banking industry is relatively strong you know in west africa except for the south africans and the egyptians so basically that's what it's all about all right, perfect. Thank you very much. Um, you've linked it into the next thing I, would, I was hoping to ask. Um, you are someone who has had quite a vast experience in Nigerian equities or in Nigerian markets and even in the foreign markets. Um, for the average retail investor in Nigeria, where do you think the focus should be? Should he focus on the Nigerian market or should he at some point begin to look at um, investing in foreign markets as well? Yeah, thank you. Very good question, but it's a bit tricky, you know. Uh, but I, 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 it depends on so many factors. So I, I'll give you a lead here. So you know, you need to put in con- sorry, you need to put into consideration that about forty percent 
of Nigerians are poor. So it means that um, out of a population of 200 million, we have between 80 to 90 million that poverty line. And that in statistics means that, uh, statistically means that um, they spend less than $2 a day. You put that in that, and that's about a thousand dollars. So it's very difficult for those kind of people to invest in foreign stocks, right? Because, you know, those are dollar-denominated stocks where you can see a stock trading, a, a stock like Google trading for almost $3,000. How somebody that really makes them little in what are be able to afford that. So one of the most important things is you look at your earning capacity, you look at your risk appetite, you look at your exposure, you look about your understanding. You see, just like the fact that Nigeria stock market is not as sophisticated or um, as advanced or as um, liquid as what we have in um, advanced markets, there are so many opportunity, opportunities and um, there are so many um, gains that can be recorded if you take um, some candidate and view. So uh, the first thing an investor that is invest locally or foreign must take into consideration is risk management. One of the problems I've noticed that is that a lot of Nigerians focus on ROI. ROI means uh, return on investment. And while it's not while that is not bad, it takes it takes you away from the bigger picture. One of the one of the main mandates of investment is consistency and the ability to have support and and you know everybody wants to have half on their returns. But you need to understand that the market does not move in linear motion. The market has a local volatility where price swings happen from point to one point before getting to that destination. So risk management is very important. And uh, one of the key things like when Buffett would say is that um, we invest in the stock market, it's just like going to the market. You buy low, you sell high. You don't, you don't uh, buy high and sell low. You've lost money already. So when you understand that, then it means that you must key into other value investing where you buy an asset, you understand, that has good value or is trading at a very exciting, attractive, interesting value. So for example, um, I'll give you three examples. So uh, during 2020, for example, uh, Guinness, Guinness Nigeria is one of a top three uh, company in Nigeria, but the stock was not doing too well because uh, they had issues with People stay around and stuff like that. In fact, it was so bad that they didn't declare dividend. So the stock was trading at 15 naira. Now, it was a no brainer for me because this was a stock I saw at 100 and uh, minimum 18 naira. So, when I saw that stock at 15 naira, now, despite the fact that this company was having challenging time, I knew the company was a good stock because I looked at the product, I looked at the fact of their leverage, the, 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 the market size, and the exposure. So, it was a no brainer for me to buy at 15 naira. Now, just as I was talking, the stock is over 69. So within a span of 18 months, you've gotten like 400%, right? Another good one is Zeblat, you know. Zeblat was trading less than um, less than 400 now when um, all the meltdowns started. And the reason was because oil prices got to negative where it was so unattractive. But Zebra had good fundamentals because this was the only... Um, this was the only offshore Nigerian company that had so much exposure to advanced market like UK. And they had a very exciting team and good portfolio. So it was, and, and that important thing was that there was a high presence of institutional investors because one of the things I tell people is that you look at the team, look at the composition of the asset, all those things will make you, um, guide you on what the company is all about. Because when you see top brands in companies investing there, your, your job is almost done. So, the stock right now is trading at about 858 now. So what basically tells you is that investment is all about catching discounted um, assets 
and sell at premium. That's how you make money. So uh, for the market, you know, for those that are middle class and other people that have access to dollar earnings, you know, it's a very good market. You know, um, they give you higher returns than Nigerian stocks. But this is the catch. In Nigerian stocks, you only need a lower amount of funds because the most expensive Nigerian stock, uh, I think the most expensive Nigerian stock is Nestle. Nestle is about 1,000 And we put that in dollar terms. That's not even up to uh, $5. not to $5. But you know, when, you, when you start saying that you want to buy uh, stocks like Apple that trade for $130, $140, then you know what we are saying. Though you can buy the part of, but they be complicating because uh, you want to get the true value of like buying wholesome stocks, you know. So I tell people that um, while it's very important as a Nigerian to have exposure in foreign markets, it's also equally important to have exposure in local markets. And if you really want to look at constancy also, bank dividend stocks play a major role. We've seen a lot of Nigerians getting exposure in bank dividend stocks. Another exciting thing is that um, you will be so surprised that most retail investors are women in Nigeria. And that was reviewed when MTN um, public over came to play. More than 80% of the investors were women. So it tells you the dynamic nature of the Nigerian stock market. That it's really evolving. Though the crypto market has taken that shiny way, but I think um, they're exciting. Then the final note is that um, the difference between Nigerian stocks and foreign stocks, that Nigerian stocks are often cyclic. Cyclic stocks are mean, mean that at some point they get to a position, then they reverse. So, uh, there are certain like uh, there are certain penny stocks which I don't want to mention because it's bad. But if you invest in them, you get to a point that you know that they are going to drop. You can sell and wait for the drop and come back. That's what my cycle going in circles. But US stock uh, because of the certification, it has had one of the longest bull runs since 2008. If you look at since that recession, uh, we've not had another recession in US. So the US stock has had that upward. Things seem to be changing now that interest rates are going to be increased. So basically, I think I've made myself clear about those things. Perfect. Th- thank you very, very much, sir. You, you've even gone beyond the question to tell us a few things of a, f- a couple of things that you consider before you invest in any company. Um, but just before we leave yeah. the issue of, of um, foreign markets, now for retail investors that you know, meet the criteria, there are probably maybe some that earn in dollars and want to invest in foreign markets. Are there any different set of skills that investors need to build aside that, you know, that go beyond what they use in the Nigerian markets when investing in foreign markets? Uh, pretty much, not really, but the only thing you need to understand is that, uh, for example, in Nigerian markets, you can't short a stock. Shorting a stock means that uh, you can't you can't sell the position without owning that stock. So, for example, in US, like I see this stock like it's not doing so well, uh, I can place a sell without having a position that asset, you know, and that's one of the interesting things about the US market. But Nigeria stock doesn't have that opportunity. But apart from that, it's almost the same uh, characteristics. You must have proper risk management, you know. You don't throw you don't throw your eggs in one basket. You must diversify. You must define your uh, financial situation, your financial perspective of that. And it's also advisable to have a uh, financial advisor. I that I that belong to the industry. Uh, I also have people that I reach out to when I'm not because I do have understand that. It's because you see sometimes you need to understand that. Uh, 
Thank you very much, sir. We, we are at a point in time, um, considering all that happened with uh, COVID, government spending, the inflation, the way inflation shot up. 
we are at a point in time where there is a very high likelihood that interest rates may be going up even in Nigeria, just as, as it is around the world. Yeah. Now, what's the impact of interest rates, of a, an impending interest rate hike on various asset classes? And what's the best way you advise retail investors to position themselves to make the most of this, the coming changes? Yeah, very beautiful question. Um, for people that have been following the news, I'm sure by now they must have taken positions now. So, you see, uh, you need to understand that um, during COVID-19, uh, there was so much panic, there was so much meltdown. At some point, Bitcoin was trading below $5,000, you know? Uh, like I mentioned, some stocks were so cheap that um, it was just um, a begging to be bought, you know? And crude oil prices, you remember, I was at negative. So uh, the global central banks pumped money. Now, how they pump money, you know? They went by bond purchases, putting funds through money market. So this money, um, at some point, more than 20 trillion was printed in the U.S. economy and same in major markets. So we got what we call an asset bubble, whereby assets were just doing, even assets that had no good fundamental was growing. And that was because money was being pumped into these um, assets at um, unprecedented levels, you know. So um, what really happened was now that which uh, everybody needs to understand, inflation became the headline because inflation was so high that imagine in the world's most um, powerful economy, I'm talking of the United States, they had um, four decades high inflation, 7.5. And the, across UK too, was inflation was 5%. These are numbers that you don't see in Western markets. Though, you know, those numbers in Nigeria look pretty decent, you know. And Nigerian numbers too are also aggressively high. So what they decided to do was to tighten the market. So how do you tighten the market? Is by removing money out of circulation. So what, what, what it means is that when you increase interest rates, cost of borrowing becomes high. When the cost of borrowing becomes high, of course, you know that it becomes much harder for companies and people to borrow money, you know. So it means that it leads to slower economic growth. It means that uh, companies will have tighter. So assets that gained a lot during um, the pump or the asset bubble, talking of growth stocks like Apple, Google, all these um, sit-at-home stock, Netflix, they tend to suffer during this time because now the reversal takes place. Investors will move their funds from growth stocks to value stocks, you know. Then you remember during those times, banks were not making so much money because interest rates was pretty much low. Money was too cheap to get. So the banks were not making so much money. And you see, if you look at GTN, uh, they had one of the lowest profits in almost a decade. You know, most banks across the world didn't do well because they were not driving. So with interest rates coming up, banks, will, banks are expected to make more money. We are going to see consumer stocks suffer naturally. Like I told you, cost of borrowing will go up and things like that. And you see, uh, it's going to be a bit tight. It's going to be harder for people uh, because they won't try to control uh, inflation. We are seeing what's happening to energy prices. And with this Putin invasion of Ukraine, uh, it means that uh, inflation also is going to uh, bust out. So one of the things the Fed is trying to do is increase interest rates as much as possible. Now, the last time the United States, the increase interest rates is very, very long. So definitely it's going to have impact on equities, it's going to have structural bond. So what we did, and what we did there, that was like, uh, 
Because I, 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 I saw the handwriting on the wall um, in the last quarter of 2021. So I used my positions in places I made so much money. Because that, that was when Elon Musk was selling. That was when Max Kabeck was selling. That was what, and one of the good things about American market is that when major investors are selling, though you will not know if they will declare it, there is a set uh, file, uh, filing that you must declare when you are selling. So you will know that their positions, so they will use their positions. So that was enough guidance. But a lot of people are like, ah, well, this market is too sweet to go that it's just going to pump up. So um, people got carried away until 2022 started. So now we, at some point, the NASDAQ got to the bear market. But you see, the truth about the thing is that um, how you drive in 2022 is simple. Reduce your gains, buy cheap undervalued stocks for stocks that have good fundamentals, low depth, good market, interesting product, you understand, good team, high, liquid, um, high liquidity around it. So you look for those kind of things. And, you know, like I said, you know when to reduce your position. Uh, by December, I reduced a lot of my profits. And so, uh, as I located asset to other places, I'm just talking personally now. So, for listeners, you need to, that's why it's very important to understand the macro now. What you're asking, the question you're asking now is a macro question, interest rate. So, during the times of interest rates, it comes with slower economic growth. And I've told you why we're going to have slower economic growth. So, where you come in now is applying to your macro decisions. So, you know that, interestingly, bank stocks will be an attractive because they will make money when interest rates go up. And definitely, the United States is going to increase interest rates by at least a thousand basis points. At least a thousand basis points. So, though the likes of Goodman Sachs are saying 2,000, 3,000, I think that's extreme, but I'm very sure they will increase. So, definitely, it means more money for banks, it means more money for asset managers, it means less money for. So, it's all about timing. And I think a lot of people make mistakes when they sell during panic and the they buy during times um, um they buy during excitement. So let me explain. Now, one of the things about humans is that humans can be very erratic. You need to understand that. So when the market is ex- when the market is in the point you see a lot of people when Bitcoin was making noise, when Bitcoin was four thousand, a lot of people didn't know about Bitcoin. When Bitcoin was five thousand, a lot of people didn't know ten, no. But when Bitcoin started becoming twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, that was when people started jumping about now, down the pool. So when Bitcoin got to 69 and dropped back to 40 in the twinkle of an eye, those that bought pictures of levels started suffering drawdowns. You can see. So you need to understand how this thing works. I usually tell people that when there's a noise about an asset, it means it's time to sell. When people don't even know the asset at a very cheap rate, and that asset has very good fundamentals, just put your money, just put some lump sum. That's often worked for me. And that's one of the secrets of our investment. Thank you. What's up? Thank you for that. Um, I'm with just my eye on the time. I can see we have already gone past the thirty minute mark. So I'll just let's begin to round this off, sir. Um, any last words of advice for the average retail investor in Nigeria? Any last message that you just want to leave with them? You've shared a whole lot of nuggets, and anybody that listens to this conversation deeply would, you know, can make instant profit from what you've said. Uh, but any last words that you yeah. just want to leave with them? Yeah. The last word is that um, one of the things I've mentioned in finance is that um, education is very important. Education is very important. But, um, 
I think um, the emotional intelligence will be much bigger for in success. If you look at you know, the billionaire and data list, you ask that um, most of these guys are not professors. Yeah, they are very educated, most of these guys are very educated. But one of the differences they have right on the public is that they know how to they know when to take risks, they know how to make up and they are consistent at all you do. So for retail investors, see don't Start putting pressure on you that you need to buy a Ferrari now, you need to buy a house now, you need to dream or you need to buy a dream stocks, you know, or dream phone. Look at how you can arrange your portfolio um, with your time. So, what I'm saying basically is like the younger you are, the more risk you take. Yeah. So, and the older you are, the more disciplined you become. So, uh, you need to be very disciplined, it's very paramount. Then, it's not all that this has to go. A lot of people uh, lose money after working so hard by investing in all these fraudulent and um, scam, um, scam-like products. So if it's too good to be true, be careful. Always check for security and exchange commission regulation SEC. And if you are going to invest in assets that don't have such, uh, have a financial advisor. If you're in Nigeria, for example, I tell people that they will offer to give you a career. They they like education because they they feel that once you build a relationship with you and you have an understanding and you earn more, you definitely at some point you invest in their product and it's a win win for both of them. So always look for people with credibility. Always be careful about just focusing on our rise. Our rise is not engaged. Then before I go, I'll tell you that see, apart from investment, you need to spend below what you earn. So if you are investing, because if you spend above what you earn, how will you invest? And how do you do those things? It's just by curtailing expenses, moving to If you have bought, for example, if you have, I'm not saying you should buy an iPhone 13, I'm not saying you should buy an iPhone and one uh, I'm not saying you should buy a nice car, but if you have bought those so I, I remember I bought Apple stock when it was something that you know at that time Steve uh, Jobs was still and you know just imagine the bonds you give them to share back to go to right now you know so how many of these items can you buy uh, when Buffett got almost eight hundred million dollars in dividends from Apple stock you know? so it just tells you how you guys you know. It, before you spend so much on luxury, ensure you have cash flow. That's the game. That's the game. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you very much. We appreciate your time so much. Um, thanks for taking out the time to share your thoughts and your from your experience with us. Um, we hope you can do this some other time <laughs> if if we can. No problem. All right, sir. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much.